Good morning, family. We have a snowy day in the Poconos, so we are not able to meet in person, but we thank God for technology that we can still uh, become a family through the medium of looking at a screen. Look how far technology has come. Let's just open up in a word of prayer. Father, we so thank you for this day, Lord. And even though uh, the saints could not gather together, we're never apart from you. We thank you that we still have an outlet to hear your words of truth, Lord. We thank you because you are so good. So even this first Sunday of the new year, we are able to come together as a church in a different way, and we ask that you would bless our time together and that you would bless the words of my mouth, that your people would hear the message that you have for them this morning. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You know, anytime I've uh, traveled, I have always had two books with me. One book would be the Bible. Uh, the other book that I would bring with me, no matter where I was, was a book called SAS Survival Handbook, How to Survive in the Wild in Any Climate on Land or Sea. And that book is written by John Lofty Wiseman. This man, now retired, was the youngest ever to join the SAS, which is the Special Forces Unit of the British Army. This book is a survival manual. It tells you if you were uh, to be attacked by leeches, what you would do, or even a wild animal. It, it would tell you how to strategize if you got lost in uh, the wilderness someplace. Um, it would even tell you what you could or could not eat if you were lost somewhere and you ran out of food and you were in the woods. This book would even tell you how to handle a situation like if you were in quicksand. Now, obviously, if I'm in quicksand, I can't get to the book, and I don't know that I would have time to open up, how do I get out of this quicksand? But if you were in quicksand and I was with you, uh, you'd be happy I had that book, depending on how fast uh, the quicksand was taking you down. Why carry a book like that? because you never know what's going to happen. Life is an adventure. In many ways, we are explorers. Every day is filled with new discoveries, especially for the Christian. A daily question we should ask is, Lord, what do you have for me this day? The title of this morning's message is Expedition Unknown. We will look at Matthew chapter 4. I'll be reading out of the ESV, and we're going to start reading in verse 17. And this uh, took place after Jesus was tempted by the devil in the wilderness. He went to Galilee 
and the text reads this way. From that time, Jesus began preaching, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. When um, I was young, there was this show called Mission Impossible. That was before Mission Impossible was a movie on the big screen. It was a TV series in the 60s and 70s. And the show would start with Jim Phelps listening to a cassette tape recording, and it would uh, give Jim his next assignment, which would be always full of danger and adventure. The tape would sound something like, your mission, Jim, should you decide to accept it, is to stop Turek in B-230. As always, should you or any of your IM force be caught or killed, the secretary will disavow any knowledge of your actions. This tape will self-destruct in five seconds. Good luck, Jim. Sometimes we feel life is mission impossible. We never know what's going to happen next. Each day presents its set of challenges that we must navigate through. But there are two distinct times in the life of a Christian. The time before you knew Christ and your life following Christ. Truly, you did not know what it meant to follow Christ, and every believer is learning day by day exactly what that means. One day, you received the gospel. Our text started, from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, turn away from sin and turn to God, for his reign and rule is at hand. And, they, and there was a call, and you and I followed. It goes on, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. What must that feel, what, what did that feel like for them to hear that call? Were, were they 
excited? Were they tired of what they were doing before? So any opportunity that would come up, they would just go and follow? No, I don't, I don't think so. But what did it take to be a fisherman? It did then, and it is now hard labor, day and night, heat and cold, sometimes the sun beating down on you, and other times you're soaking wet from the wind and rain. Some days you catch fish, and other days you come up empty. So these two guys were fishermen, and Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you. You will become. I will change you from doing that, what you did to this now that I'm sending you to. I'm sending you to be fishers of men. You were casting your net into the sea, luring fish into a trap in hopes of bringing, bringing up fish to sell to others so that they can eat and you could eat. Now you will cast your net into the world and you will rescue those in danger of hellfire and they will come to me and I will save them. I'm going to send you out as you follow me. They did not know what it meant to follow Jesus. They didn't understand exactly what they were getting into, and we as well didn't know exactly what that call and us following it quite meant. But thank God that we followed. The text goes on to say that immediately, right away, at once, they left their nets and they followed him. What we see here is they had to leave something to follow him. They left their nets. They could not bring their nets with them. They could not bring their boat with them. Verse 21, and I'm going and going on from there. He, meaning Jesus, saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. They left their nets. They left their boats. They left their father. Let me ask you a question. Are you dragging your net along with you while you're trying to follow Jesus? Drop the net. Let it go. Are you even trying to drag a boat while you are trying to follow Jesus? What is that thing that you are clinging to so tightly? And if you have something that you're clinging to so tightly, what are you forfeiting? What life are you forfeiting by not letting go? 
Jesus called them, and immediately they left their nets. They dropped everything to follow him. Jesus called others, and some refused to drop everything. In Mark chapter 8, in verse 18, it says, Now Jesus saw a crowd around him. He gave orders to go over to the other side. And in verse 21, it says, And another of the disciples said to him, Let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me and let the dead leave the dead to bury their own dead. Translation, take care of some business first. My father is old. I'll follow you after he dies. And Jesus is saying, if you're going to follow me, you must make me of first importance. And before that conversation, the text says, a scribe came up to him, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, pretty much, oh really? Are you sure? Let me give you a heads up. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So if I have nowhere to lay my head, that means that if you're going to follow me, recognize following me comes with a cost. Now, I don't want you to go to work tomorrow and go to your boss and say, I quit. And then she says to you, why? And you say, Pastor Reggie said that the disciples immediately left their nets and followed Jesus. No. What is Jesus calling you to do? What is Jesus calling you to do? Because it's not always the same for each person. Drop everything and you come and serve me in this capacity. No. Each person he has, that he has called, he called to different purposes. The, the man that Jesus had healed, who was demon-possessed, wanted to go with Jesus. And Jesus sent him on a different mission. He sent him on a different path for him to go. And Luke 8, 38, it says, the man from whom the demon had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. Everyone where that man was from knew exactly who he was. He knew the issue. They knew the issues that this man had, that this man 
shackles and chains could not even hold him. He lived among the tombs. So him going back to where he came from and the people seeing him was a testimony in, his self, in, in itself. And God used him in that very way. So it is different for each and every one of us. None of the apostles or any other Christian, including you and I, can fully understand what it encompasses to follow Jesus. We, we, have, we have walked out this path and we make new discoveries as if we are on an expedition unknown each and every day. Think of the life of the apostles for a minute. Fishermen to fishers of men. Tax collectors to one that would nurture souls. A zealot who was a rebel to one that is zealous for God. Think of the life of Peter for a minute. From a fisherman to a fisher of men, from cutting off an ear when they came to arrest Jesus to healing the sick in the power of the Holy Spirit and casting out Jesus, uh, demons. From Jesus telling him, flesh and blood has not revealed to you what you have just proclaimed, but my Father in heaven to you're being influenced by the devil from denying Jesus three times to preaching the first gospel sermon under the threat of persecution. The Christian life is an adventure. It's something that we should be excited about. As we're going into this new year, there should be something in you that is day by day, God, what do you have for me in this new season? What do you have for me in this new year? What do you have for me to do this very day? Even when we look at and consider Paul's experiences, it says in 2 Corinthians 11, in verse 26, on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. The Christian life at times appears to be mission impossible. And for you and for me, it is mission impossible, but not for God. With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Throughout the Bible, God's people accomplish unfathomable tasks. God is most glorified by bringing events to pass 
which seem impossible for men outside of him, but are always possible for God. Let me tell you something. A Christian is not supposed to live a boring life. A Christian is not supposed to live a boring life. Not if you're out there witnessing, not if you are following the call that God has on your life, not if you're carrying your cross. Remember, there was a time before you knew Christ, and now you're walking with Christ. We thought before that we were living, but we were dead in our trespassing sins, and now we are alive in Christ. And our mission is not impossible. Our mission is not impossible because of who we are in Christ. And he has a mission for each one. Ephesians 2.10 tells us, for we are his handiwork. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. You were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, already knew who you were and what he was going to have you do, God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. In other words, God has already ordained what you would walk in, and he has formed you to walk in that very thing. And we listen uh, to what we just read about the life of Peter and the life of Paul. And sometimes we feel like, uh, I, I don't want that in my life. You know, it is very different to suffer for Christ than to suffer from our mistakes and not being in Christ. See, because when we are not in Christ, it does not alleviate suffering. Matter of fact, it is suffering that we deserve, and most of the times it is because of the things that we do that we find ourselves in a place of suffering. So you're going to suffer in life. Well, if that's true, then we should suffer for something that matters. We should suffer for the cause of Christ. And our suffering is no big deal compared to what God is doing in us and for us and through us and what he's going to do in the by and by. Romans 8.18 says, For I consider that suffering of this present time is not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. We don't know how it's going to go. But we know where we are going to go. We are all in this together, united under one mission. 
You know, there's a, a special bond that's shared with those that serve in the military. It goes deeper with those that serve in the same branch of the military. It goes even deeper when you were in the same unit. And it goes even deeper in that if you've served together during conflict or war. It goes even deeper than that with those that were in the elite special forces on mission because they were put in the most dangerous situations. They were on missions that if they were not successful, the fallout would be great. Again, we don't know where we're going and how things are going to go day to day. But we know where we're going eventually. We know what life is for the believer because God has promised us that. In this same chapter, in Matthew chapter 8, after the verse we read earlier, it says, and they went out, we, and after they were called by Jesus and they walked with him, this is what it says. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all of Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paraplegics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from the Galilee to Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. And he was crucified by evil men. But that was the will of the Father, that the Lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. But he rose from the grave, and he ascended into heaven. And before he left, he told his disciples, go therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always. So while we're on mission, he is with us. He has called us and equipped us and united us and is sending us out. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is active duty. The Christian is to be in active duty. The days are short. There is no time and no place for Monday morning quarterbacks. No room for laziness. Get off the couch. Some of you are online today because of the weather. Some because you're sick and you cannot get out. 
But some of you have determined that I'm going to sit in front of the TV and call that church. To those people, I got to be straight with you. You're in danger. You, you can't follow Jesus from the TV while sitting on the couch. Paul Tripp said, the theology you believe is the theology you live. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Today, Christians view the cross as a symbol, a symbol of forgiveness, a symbol of grace, a symbol of atonement and of love. But in Jesus's day, the cross represented death, torture in the worst way. The Romans forced convicted criminals to carry their own crosses to the place of their crucifixion. Bearing a cross meant that a person was about to die. And that person would face ridicule and disgrace along the way. For you, bearing your cross means to be committed to Christ daily. It means, if need be, Give up your hopes and your dreams and follow God's will. It, it, it may mean that you need to give up your possessions. It, it, it may even call some to have to give up their life for the cause of Christ. If he calls you to do that. But remember this, Jesus bore a cross for you and for me. And he is our example. If you have not put your hand to the plow, if you have not taken up your cross, start today. If you've been lazy, if you have aborted the mission, start today. It will be well worth it. Philippians 3.20 tells us, for our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 6.10 tells us, for God is not unjust so as to overlook your work. God is not unjust as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. Those things that we do are not for nothing. It's accomplishing something. It's accomplishing something in eternity. And you are not alone. He's not sending you on task and you are in situations that are impossible that you can't get through. No, yes, they're, yes, they're impossible for you. They are not impossible for him. Philippians 4.19 says, My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. 
He will supply everything you need for those things that are in his will. For you to be in his will and you being his workmanship and called by him, you need to be picking up and carrying your cross daily. So you should be asking the question, what's my next adventure? Expedition unknown. And we should choose to accept that mission. The Bible tells us, oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid for? From him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. We will see you for Wednesday night prayer this Wednesday, for Bible study and youth group this Friday. Stay warm and stay, stay safe and let's go and follow the mission God has put us on. Father, we so thank you for this time and for your word and for this encouragement, Lord. Yes, it's an expedition unknown in many ways. Life is an adventure. Things are coming at us all the time. But there are things that we do know. We do know that you will never leave us nor forsake us. We do know that Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us that where he is, we may be also. We do know that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father and he is praying for us. We do know that we are covered, washed, free because of the blood of Christ. We do know that if someone cries out to him this day, God, I need you. I repent of my sins and I accept your free gift of grace for you dying for me on the cross. That in that instant, you become a child of God and you too will be on mission. We present ourselves to you this day and say, have your way. We love you, Lord. We bless your holy name. Amen and amen. God bless you, saints.